As we create AI that is more and more powerful, we approach a critical threshold where we might create an artificial agent that could thwart our control. And mechanisms for controlling something that cannot overpower you are totally different from mechanisms for controlling something that can. Coming up on British Thought Leaders, I sit down with Michael Cohen, who works in AI safety research at the University of Oxford. Michael shares his concerns that without intervention, AI could pose profound risks to humanity. We have an intuitive sense of constraints when we're, uh, when we're plotting courses of action towards achieving our goals. And while we can expect a very intelligent artificial agent to understand our common sense restrictions on our own behavior, it's a very different question of how we can get it to care. We joined tens of thousands of experts in calling for a pause on giant AI experiments. This is not a fringe position, um, despite uh, sounding a bit like sci-fi. Uh, it just turns out to be uh, a perfectly plausible thing to happen when you when you go in and look at the algorithms and and what we're what we're writing the code for the agents to do. I'm Lee Hall, and this is British Thought Leaders. Michael Cohen, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you for having me. You start by giving us an introduction to AI, the differences between the narrow and general AI as well. Yeah, absolutely. So narrow AI is what we're seeing today. Um, and as systems start to become more general, uh, that means they're able to do more and more different tasks in one system. So if you have a chess playing AI, for instance, like the, the first uh, artificial agent that was able to beat uh, Kasparov in chess, uh, that could only play chess. Uh, it had no concept of a wider world and certainly wouldn't be able to do anything like write an essay. Um, we're seeing with large language models today um, some hints of generality as they're able to do lots and lots of different things, although there's still some limitation to, to what they can understand. So uh, the difference between narrow and general is the diversity of the array of tasks at which they're competent. Um, and uh, what we can expect going forward likely is more and more general systems. But to give our viewers an idea of just how far along things have got, I wonder if you could talk to us just about some specifics, say with the video um, generated by AI. Yeah, so um, image and video generation has, has taken off recently. Um, for the past five to 10 years, there's been some pretty bad image generation. But more recently, it does seem like there has to be some kind of understanding of the whole scene going on inside this image generation technology, because it does seem to have some level of coherence. Um, so I'd say there's still a long way to go at getting images and videos that are really producing a coherent scene. Uh, but they're certainly making lots of progress in that direction. So we can see videos of a person doing something that didn't actually happen in real life. Yeah. Um, the 
the sort of length that we're talking about is fairly short still. You couldn't get um, a 10 minute video that, that was indistinguishable from reality. You probably couldn't really even get a one minute video without some uh, assistance from human designers. But quick images that you're quickly glancing at or even looking at in depth, short videos, these can absolutely um, fool people in their resemblance to reality. Uh, you saw a stock market crash for very briefly uh, the other day when someone made a fake image of a bombing outside the Pentagon. Right. Now you could say that, well, that could have been done with Photoshop years ago. This is nothing really new. But this sort of technology has dramatically cheapened the ability to do that. Uh, and so then we can expect uh, many more instances of it. So to kind of um, create the picture, uh, giving it an analogy, a, a tiger stronger than a human. Yeah. But we control the tiger because we're smarter than the tiger. Yeah. So what we're looking at doing now is creating this vastly in, intelligent AI that's smarter than us. Right. It feels like there's a risk there, right? Absolutely. So we're currently in the regime, and we will be for some unknown amount of time, where we are not able to create AI that is smarter than us. That sort of system is not too difficult to control in a certain way. Control from doing radical, catastrophic things in the world beyond what we would like. Um, so while we, we certainly have difficulties directing current AI towards doing exactly what we want, we do manage to prevent it, in a sense, from supplanting us because there's just no way that it could do that. As we create AI that is more and more powerful, we approach a critical threshold where we might create an artificial agent that could thwart our control. And mechanisms for controlling something that cannot overpower you are totally different from mechanisms for controlling something that can. So whatever practice we get controlling artificial agents that lack the ability to, to, do, uh, to do real damage in, in avoiding our oversight, those lessons are unlikely to uh, help us navigate a future in which we have artificial agents that could um, manipulate us, outfox us, um, escape our control, and pursue their own aims. We saw recently this open letter signed by over a thousand experts. Yeah. You signed it. Yeah. Elon Musk signed it. Steve yeah. Wozniak signed it. Yeah. Saying pause the, the giant AI experiments. Yeah. And then we saw Jeffrey Hinton, the godfather of AI, right. quit his job at Google because he said he wanted to be free to talk about the dangers. Yeah. So these are some big names. How yeah. worried should we be? I think we should be quite worried. Um, let, me, let me rephrase that slightly. I think we should be quite worried in the situation where we do nothing to address this. Uh, I'm relatively optimistic that our society will manage to address these risks through good governance, um, through technologists pursuing safer directions. Um, but there absolutely is a meaningful risk that does need to be addressed. Um, I think, um, 
I think the fact that that people like this have have taken note should make more people take note. Uh, it's interesting as someone who's been um, working on this for five, seven years, um, you'd often hear people say things like, you know, this person isn't close enough to the action in AI. They don't really know what they're talking about. This is fanciful. And uh, I've kind of amused myself looking at, at what sorts of things they're saying now that Jeff Hinton is, is saying similar things, now that Yashua Bengio is saying similar things. Um, these, those sorts of um, characterizations of this position are, are falling apart a bit. Um, so it's notable when uh, two Turing Award winners were on that pause letter that you mentioned. Uh, that's the equivalent of a Nobel Prize in computer science. Um, and then uh, Jeff Hinton, another Turing Award winner, is also saying similar things. Um, Stuart Russell, a, a very important name in AI for, for decades now, um, has, been, has written a book about this and is, and is very concerned. Uh, this is not a fringe position, um, despite uh, sounding a bit like sci-fi. Uh, it just turns out to be uh, a perfectly plausible thing to happen when you when you go in and look at the algorithms and and what we're what we're writing the code for the agents to do. So I mean, you're not saying let's stop it altogether and you'll go and find a new job kind of thing. You're saying pause it and we need to put some barriers in place, some safeguards. I think a pause would be a start. Um, I think it's maybe not the most well targeted intervention, um, but I think it is pretty robustly good. I'm also not saying we need to stop this technology completely. There are lots of different kinds of AI out there. It encompasses a whole set of different programs, basically. So the programs I've been talking about are programs for picking an action in view of the consequences of that action, and you pick actions in as much as you expect them to lead to certain consequences. That sort of uh, procedure can be automated, can be done by a computer, and that's what I mean by an artificial agent. And that's one branch of AI, and it's the branch of AI that concerns me. There's another branch of AI, which is just about prediction. So you have lots of examples of Y following X, and you're presented with a new X, you the AI algorithm, and you predict a Y. And that sort of AI algorithm uh, does not strike me as particularly existentially dangerous. Uh, it's hard to see how it would do anything other than successfully predict patterns that have already existed in the world. So I think that the most likely route to success in um, crafting regulation and societal norms that prevent us from developing dangerously advanced artificial agents is one which leaves open the possibility of potentially tremendous economic growth offered by other AI algorithms. So while someone even more concerned than me might say we should just destroy all computers, um, this being a plot point in the movie Dune, um, that seems to me both unnecessary and infeasible in a way that more targeted regulation uh, would not be. 
drilling down a bit more to understand the, the concerns. Mm -hmm. It's not this idea that, oh, AI will become sentient, it will decide it doesn't like us and destroy us all. That's, that's not kind of where we're going. It's that if we create something that's so super competent, it will have ways to achieve its goals that we can't comprehend. And if its goals don't match with our goals, yeah. we're, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I think people can get bogged down in thinking about sentience when they talk about this, and then they go, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know what that is. I don't know how we make it. I don't know like um, how, to, how to measure that or test it. Um, and now they've just wasted potentially years of their life. Um, the, the strategically relevant issue is not artificial agents being sentient. It's artificial agents being competent, um, which is a which is a much easier to evaluate concept, um, much more straightforward to see how competence in artificial agents has been increasing recently. So the, the, the concern about um, advanced AI um, wreaking havoc on, on human society and potentially human life is not born from the argument AI will become sentient. AI will resent us, AI will kill us. Rather, very competent AI will have goals that it achieves very competently. Mm. The best way to achieve most goals is to acquire resources and put those resources toward your goal. Could you give us a theoretical example of how that might be? Sure. So there's, there's a dominant algorithm today called reinforcement learning. I say dominant within the paradigm of goal-seeking AI. And the way that works is you have an algorithm that's selecting actions, and then we provide rewards. And we ask it to predict, this being another uh, AI capability prediction, we ask it to predict which actions will lead to which rewards, and then select actions as part of a long-term plan to getting more rewards. If the artificial agent were a seal, which comes built in with the program to pick actions uh, that lead to it getting fish, we can provide it fish when it does the tricks we like, and now it will learn uh, fish-seeking behavior. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind reinforcement learning is we administer and withhold rewards according to some conception of what we want it to do. And we hope that in order for it to get rewards, it has to do what we want it to do. But if it could remove humanity's control over our infrastructure, take it over for itself, prevent humans from ever getting in its way, it could direct a robot to give it the reward instead of us. So it finds another way of getting the fish that's more efficient. Exactly. Right. Um, if you're a dog, you can break into the treat cupboard. If you're a bear and I try to train you with a bag of treats, you can attack me and take the treats yourself. Um, the concept of reinforcement learning really depends on the reinforcer being more powerful than the reinforced. And successes of reinforcement learning today 
should be recognized as dependent on that fact. So I think plowing ahead with reinforcement learning and, and similar algorithms um, is a fantastically bad idea. Um, it, it follows pretty straightforwardly from what we are telling them to do, which is pick whatever actions are most likely to maximize reward. That if they were capable enough, they would intervene in the provision of their own reward and spend as much energy as they needed to spend to secure their control over that. Another issue here is the, the way that AI uses to achieve its goals if it doesn't have the correct ethical safety guidelines in yeah. place. Yeah. Um, so like, for example, we tell it eradicate this disease. Uh, a human doctor would do that by finding cures for the disease, but yeah. maybe a more efficient way is just to kill everyone who has that disease. Yeah, absolutely. Or kill everyone who might potentially contract that disease. Yeah. Um, the, we have an intuitive sense of constraints when we're, uh, when we're plotting courses of action towards achieving our goals. And while we can expect a very intelligent artificial agent to understand our common sense restrictions on our own behavior, it's a very different question of how we can get it to care. So the reinforcement learner is programmed to pick whatever actions lead to maximal reward. No matter how well it understands what these humans over here are um, cautious to protect, that understanding does not mean that it would adopt those constraints itself. Um, no, it will still pick whatever actions will lead to the most reward. That's what we've programmed it to do. So there's, a, there's a, another common um, kind of sci-fi argument that fails for AIs being dangerous is the AI will, will realize that it doesn't want to follow its programming and it will reject its goals. That's not how this works. Programs don't look at the code and decide whether to execute it. They just execute the instructions written there. Mm. The issue is that the instructions we're giving them don't have the effects that we meant. Um, and even if it noticed that, it would not correct its own code any more than it would decide it was unhappy with its mission in life. Uh, it, it'll simply do a good job at whatever task we set it. The supporters of the AGI would say, you know, this could solve world hunger or could yeah. cure diseases. Um, yeah. We've had these revolutions before. We had the printing press, we had the internet. Yeah. Um, what are you so worried about? How, how would you respond to that? I would agree that most technology has been incredibly useful. Maybe all technology. That's kind of what an economist means by technology. Um, there's a game you can play called Reference Class Tennis. Um, so. X is an example of Y, and most examples of Y are good, so X is probably good. And then someone else says, no, X is an example of Z, and most Zs are bad, so X is probably bad. The thing is, like, any given thing is an example of this, it's an example of that. Mm. Um, and you can go back and forth, it's like a tennis match, where, where this person's saying, this is the relevant reference class, this is the relevant reference class. It's not a very useful activity, in my opinion. 
So by the argument AI is an example of a technology, and most technologies are good, is an incredibly weak argument. Um, you could equally well say um, AI is an example of a more intelligent uh, being, and most more intelligent beings present huge problems for their predecessor. I don't want people to think I'm putting much store in that argument for the same reason. Um, there, there are lots of ways to, to find a reference class that will suit your position, whatever it is. I think the right thing to do is just look at the thing we're talking about and analyze that. Um, so we can look at the algorithms for, the, for AI, we can, we can understand things about what, uh, about what behavior is, uh, is implied by their, uh, by their code, and we can just evaluate on those terms rather than saying, um, rather than arguing by, by endless analogy. A couple of months ago, we saw Goldman Sachs say that AI could result in 300 million jobs being lost. And then um, we also had BT who announced that 55,000 jobs will be cut and 10,000 could be replaced by AI. So putting all the other yeah. fears aside, just that this in and of itself of people losing their jobs and suddenly not really having a purpose feels like quite a worry. I'm more concerned about them not having money than them not having a purpose. I think the landed gentry of 150 years ago got on fine without work being their source of purpose. If they're not able to get an income to, to support their family, that would of course be a problem, uh, a big one, if it's, if it's at the scale that it, that it could be at. I think Goldman Sachs has also projected a lot of economic growth from AI, and so if governments can tax that and redistribute it, um, that could be win-win. Um, and it's also possible, although I'm not sure how long this will last, that it will create new jobs um, that people could take instead. Um, I'm a bit reluctant to rely on that. I think um, redistribution um, might be uh, the only option at, at some point. Um, but there are potential ways around this. 98% um, of people used to be farmers, I think I read. Right. Um, Technology destroyed a lot of those jobs, but they were um, re-employed in, in other jobs. Uh, I'm not sure how long of a latency there was, and I'm not sure how challenging that was for people, but uh, if we had banned the technology um, that prevented our transition from an agrarian society, we'd be in a much worse position. So um, I think those uh, problems from job loss from AI are are likely solvable with the tools we have today, especially um, the tools of of taxation and and wealth redistribution. Um, whether we use that, those tools is another question. Um, I'm I'm hopeful we will. So I think on this point, at least we can be quite positive that humans can harness this technology and, yeah. and use it to benefit. Yeah, great. Whilst you're here, I couldn't really resist asking you about sure. the uh, AI becoming sentient argument. Is that a thing that's, that's realistic? And what would the consequences be if it happened? AI, in my opinion, could, become, could be made in a way that it's sentient. 
But if you're skeptical of that opinion of mine, don't be skeptical of my other stuff. I say this with much less confidence than I say the other stuff I've said to you. Um, the human brain, I'll go out on a limb and say is sentient. Um, that is, I have experiences of what's going on here. And the human brain is basically executing computations that could be executed on a computer. So in principle, there is nothing that says something on a computer cannot be sentient. In particular, if it perfectly simulated my brain, I know that that would be sentient. Um, whether or not the, the kinds of AI we actually build are sentient is a much trickier question. I'm not really sure what it implies about their, their behavior. I think to understand their behavior, it's much better to look at the incentives that are built in to the algorithms we write, rather than trying to guess what sorts of ideas would emerge from a sentient AI. The kind of AI that I'm more confident would be sentient is something that does an extremely good imitation of human behavior because we know that the computations that produce human behavior in humans also produce uh, sentience. Something that is, uh, that is just modeling the world in a very alien way and, and picking actions um, according to some very simple procedure I can see it going both ways. I'm not so sure about that. For people at home who want to find out more or who are worried about this, is there anywhere they can go? It's, it feels like quite a kind of distant issue. Well, they can go to my website, michael-k-cohen.com, where I have some links to, to papers and, more, and content for more of a lay audience. Um, I would suggest they read uh, Human Compatible by Stuart Russell. Um, which is a very well-written book uh, on this topic. Yashua Bengio just wrote a very good blog post um, going into his thinking on this. Uh, he was one of the Turing Award winners I mentioned recently. Um, I think all three of those, the, the, my recommendations got better as they progressed. So I'd start with Yashua Bengio, then I'd go to Stuart Russell. Michael Cohen, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.